I am not a werewolf, but I am your host, Scott O'Dell. I'm joined by host Cordy Jorgensen. Hey, Scott. Not playing werewolf. Guest host Peter Evans. Hello. And host Jeff Garst. I are both am in the a same werewolf. Room as Cody. And I'm in the same room as Cody. Who I, I don't, Cody, I don't know that I've seen you in like four months. This is it. This is definitely the first time we've seen each other in 2019. So happy new year, man. <laughs> happy new year to you. <laughs> exciting for some reason cody was off the podcast for a few episodes and then i was off the podcast for a few episodes and it was just all sorts of like batman yeah you've never seen me and batman in the same room maybe cody and i are the same person maybe you are Mm. i believe i believe uh there was a clark kent slam last time we we talked about this i'm drinking black coffee (laughs) From Archetype, it's It's their natural process. Ethiopia is really good. Cody, what are you drinking? I am drinking uh, Flamingo Fruit Fight uh, Sour by Bell's Bell's Brewing out of Michigan. It is it is sour. It's puckery. There is a there is a fruit fight going on for sure in your mouth. It's tasty. Who's winning? The fruit. The flamingo. Peter, what are you drinking? I am currently drinkless, but uh, what do you want to be drinking? A diet coke. Jeff, what are you drinking? I also had a Diet Coke. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Here's the thing. I can't drink coffee or alcohol until May. So Spielbound is amazing for other reasons. Unfortunately, cannot help me too terribly much. You drink Diet Coke, though, right? I do drink Diet Coke. I'm not supposed to drink Diet Coke till May either, but when my doctor said that, I said, I'm not going to listen to you. There it is. There's the... uh, Should we do social media? We got an email... We do. We have an email. Is it that came into media? Spielcast at Spielbound.org. It did. It works. Uh, so this is from emailer Jacob. And he said, hey, uh, thanks for your great podcast with a period, not an exclamation point, which I <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. Jacob's uh, that, just a very declarative person. Yeah, I just, thank you for your podcast. Thank you for your great podcast. Very well. Uh, uh, but I appreciate the compliment. Uh, just listen to the episode about Root. Anyone oh, is this th- the one where he starts with, you all are terrible and you should resign immediately? I mean, I read it as Scott is terrible and he should resign right. immediately, okay. but I don't know. But like, Cody was in on the conversation about Root. Yeah, but I, I like apparently I'm comfortable taking blame as long as Scott takes blame too. Like, I get more joy out of people criticizing Scott than I do suffering from me getting criticized. So when we both get criticized, I like have a net gain. Uh, so anyway, uh, he'd like to point out a couple of root mistakes. The first mistake was playing with only two players. And in my defense, if it put, if they put it on the box, yes, I agree with that. I haven't it played shouldn't root, suck at that, that player count. But I agree with both of those. Two, two is a terrible player count and mm-hmm. should not be played at two. Uh, the game revolves around temporary alliances, backstabbing, and sometimes ganging up on players who get ambitious and jump out ahead. So, so there's like gang up on the leader. Like there's a real Munchkin situation there. Yes. Careful, don't touch my power cord, Jeff. You're gonna yes. you're, you're gonna electrocute us all. Uh, I've had this computer oh since. Uh, I've Jeff had is making fun of. I Cody's want you to know, I'm looking cord. at exposed wires right now on uh, Cody's power cord. Like, I mean, there was an attempt made to cover them back up. Uh, <laughs> so I bought this laptop in 2012. I've used it extensively since 2012. Did you buy it directly out of a landfill? And in about 2016, the power cord started to fray, and I was like, do I shell out the 70 bucks to get a new power cord? I'm going to have to buy a new laptop soon anyway. (laughs) And here we are three years later, 
and uh, this thing's still kicking. That and power. So oh my! There's exposed wires in multiple places. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, anyway, flammable should go near. That did Ella Fitzgerald get her hands on this yeah. thing? I don't or? leave this thing plugged in and unattended. We'll just so say back to Jacob. <laughs> I'm very sorry. That was a weird tangent, but I just couldn't deal so with I've, it anymore. So I've played Root several times since this letter. And that criticism where – criticism, I don't know. The, the diplomacy part is true in that someone's going to jump out to a lead and you have to prevent them from winning. Uh, so I played a three-player game uh, with, with Bryce. And was it you, Peter? Yes. And Bryce – took a card that would have allowed him to win on like turn i don't know eight so pretty early to, in the to game be fair, i gave it to him <laughs> okay <laughs> i was the vagabond right did not uh, think about how easy it would be for him to accomplish that. so bryce set himself up to dominate what he needed to do to have an instant win card mm-hmm. and at that point it literally became a cooperative game between you know me and peter versus bryce and I said out loud, "Well, we can st- we can go. I can go really hard to stop Bryce from winning now, or I can see watch Peter win later on." Mm. And so, like as a gamer, I guess you have to make the game take longer. So, uh, I convinced Peter to help sell out to, to to beat Bryce to prevent him from winning that turn. What that did was it made Bryce have to watch the rest of the match because he no longer could get that. He can no longer accomplish his goal, and he was just going to have to sit there and play it out. Ah, uh, I see. Um, which is not fun for Bryce. No. And then it, it, Peter was a vagabond, and he just ran around, and like slowly over time, we knew what the outcome was. He was going to win, and he ended up winning by a couple points. And yeah, that Although, game was very deterministic. Like at no time did I did I not see what was going to unfold in front of me. Yeah, we did figure out I did one thing wrong with the vagabond, so uh, I still think that one might be a little little too strong. Yes, but I I think the, whoever that's else the is current playing, group think is the vagabonds you, are the most you powerful. You have to attack the vagabond, because you know, if you leave yourself exposed there, right? You you make sure you hit him and make him waste as many turns as possible. And and Bryce was the maquis, and we played correctly where you don't lose points as when you lose your buildings. Yeah, that was the other that was the other point I was going to read from yes. the email is is a thing that you actively dislike is is factions losing victory points. Um, and the cats, yes. the gatos, do not lose points like we were and playing. I, I played as the birds, and I only went set once. Mm-hmm. Um, and Show off. I still had trouble. Like, if Bryce would have played normally, he would have mopped the floor with me as the maquis, the cats. Um, mm. I, uh, My overall opinion that it's a neat game hasn't changed. I still don't know that it's like... I, f- I don't feel like it's a finished... Have you played it at four? Yes. I played one game at four, and it... Uh, I still think the Vagabond's the most powerful. <laughs> I still think the... I don't know. Mm. It's 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 a neat game. I, I, I wish for what it was and how uh, deterministic it feel. Like, a lot of times you just f- know what's going to happen, and you just have to sit there for another 30 minutes. Like, I wish it was just a lot shorter. Yeah. Um, or I wish there was more... There was more it was more dynamic in terms of, of wind condition or, or what could happen or swings in the game or, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it is what it is. It's on it's a lot of people's top 10 list, but it's not any place close to number one. And I think that that's fair. Like people wanted to give it credit for being unique and different. Uh, but there's a reason why no one ranked it number one, you know? Yeah, well, that's fair. 
So thank you again, Jacob, for one, for listening to the podcast and two, for your uh, opinions on Root and pointing and for out criticizing Cody right? and criticizing Scott. Uh, <laughs> I really appreciate that. It's it's maybe my favorite. It's the best way to get a shout out on the podcast is criticize one of us because another one will bring yeah, it up. Yeah, we'll that's true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. And the email address goes to all three of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Um, should what, we talk about what we've been playing? You know, what have you guys been playing? Have you guys been playing any board games? Very little. <laughs> Jeff, have you been playing anything? Um, it's been a rough start to the year. You know, I'm still working on a master's degree, and I'll hopefully be done in December, um, In which, at which point I may start a third master's degree because I, I truly do hate myself just that much. Um, but hopefully after my master's degree in December, I'll be able to really pick up my board game playing. But the summer's always good to me. Beginning of the year is always hard. So... Um, I there have been four board games that I've played it so far. Two of them I've talked about before: Mansions of Madness Second Edition, which I love. Uh, and I should note, all of these games have been solo. <laughs> That's been the start oh, to dear. my year. That's uh, not true. There's one that hasn't been. Um, my second one that I've decided I don't like is Arkham Horror, the card game, the like LCG slash CCG Arkham Horror card game. Mm-hmm. The other two that I'll talk about a little more in depth, uh, one of them is solo, one of them is not. The first one is called Chronicles of Crime. And while I don't think this is a great board game, I think that it offers a lot of opportunity for how board games and uh, electronic media could interact in the future. So in Chronicles of Crime, you play as a detective. It's sort of got a Sherlock Holmes consulting detective feel, only Mm -hmm. it's not nearly as homework intensive. But you have a deck of cards that have QR codes on them. You need Mm -hmm. an app to play. And uh, you sort of, it sort of walks you through, you know, you find a, mer- mer- a body and blah, blah, blah. And you get to interview people. And to interview people, you scan the QR code on their card. And then to interview mm. them about things, you have a QR code with all the e- – you have a cards with an, all the evidence you found. So if you want to ask them about the blood stains, then you scan the blood stains card while you're interviewing them. But everything takes a certain amount of time. So you don't want to interview each person about everything because it will take too much time and oh, the case will end. Um, but the thing that I think really offers some really cool things that could potentially do good things for board games is that when you examine the crime scene, uh, you put on a VR headset and walk through the crime scene and look around. And you then have a VR headset? So you don't have to. You can just do it on your phone by holding oh, your okay. phone up and just kind of walking around like this. Um, but you can do it with a VR so headset. So it's literally not a board game. No, it is. It's got it's got board game elements too, but it's a it's a melding of board and video game, and I think it offers some really cool things that could happen in the future. Now, so a wise man, I think he was a wise man, once told me that uh, QR codes were obsolete. Nobody was using those anymore on their phones. I, I think that person was uh, was very smart, but uh, I think that person was every person. No, it was you, Scott. You said it. And I was like, people use QR codes still, or do they not? I don't know. Is this game out of date? No, it's brand new. What do the kids do? Are the kids using QR codes I don't still? Think, I don't the think kids are, kids are using Snapchat using and that's codes. it. The 40-year-olds might be. Anyway, <laughs> um, the second game I've been playing that I really want Wait, to talk about. Wait, what was about, the name of that game again? Chronicles of Crime. Chronicles of Narnia. That crime sounds like time. a Jeff game. Chronicles of Crime. It does. It has alliteration. I don't think it's a great game, but I think it has some cool parts to it. That's was it fun to play? Sure. <laughs> or would you rather have been studying? No, I mean, it was fun to play. Yeah. It was not nearly as mind, mental, intensive as, like, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Gotcha. The second what else have you been playing? Uh, I have, on Tuesday evenings, I now play Aeon's End Legacy Edition with Ugh. Warren and Jake. So we have another Legacy game that came out. Um, this one, 
definitely a little light on the legacy stuff. There's Is not Aeon's as much in that, that you're movie doing. from ten years ago. No, it's a board game. Okay. I'm thinking of there's an Aeon's Aeon whatever. Flux. Yes. Okay. Mm. Never mind. Different. Different entirely. Although what's the combining Flux and Aeon's End? Awful, <laughs> awful, awful game. <laughs> Um, and so Aeon's End is a deck building game. It's a cooperative deck building game with two unique features. One is that, well, really, anyway, the most unique feature is it's a deck building game where you never shuffle your cards. So the order, oh, that, you, okay, the yeah. order that you play things in is very important. And um, it, this is a Legacy Edition, obviously, and it's been a little bit light on the Legacy Edition. It doesn't seem like it's, go, it doesn't seem like it's picking up as fast as, like, Pandemic Legacy is. But, you know, it may get there. I'll, let, I'll, I'll give you a field report once we're completely done. So you, instead of shuffling you when you need more cards, you just flip them over? Correct. Interesting. So when you buy things, you want to, you know, you buy things in a certain order so that cards are next to each other always. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. And there are ways to manipulate the order of your deck and things like that. Okay. So those are the two games that I wanted to talk about. Peter? So the... Uh, first one I was going to talk about is Newton. Uh, I think Scott played that one with us, and uh, I I did. I was there, and Bryce I believe as well. Newton like Isaac, like Isaac Newton. Uh, so this one has uh, the inventor of the big cookie. Yeah, has designed by uh, mm. Jeff. Does that theme excite you, Newton? No, <laughs> no. The the theme is not overly strong in it. I, I will say, but uh, it is it is a very good game. Uh, it's by Simone Luciani, and I'm going to butcher this name, but it's Nestore uh, Magnoni. But uh, they are the designers of Lorenzo il Magnifico and Grand Austria Hotel. So if you're familiar with those, this is another one that uh, is very good. Uh, it's this a one, very dry Euro. It is It is that. Go on. But Here's the box art. Yes, Ooh, the box art is an apple with a reflection. Of Newton. Of Newton on it. It's, yeah, I don't need theme in my games. I sometimes would like. I don't know. It's did it, Newton doesn't do anything unique, though, does it? Well, there's a tableau building for all your different actions. So you, every time you uh, go through the, the round, you're adding another improvement you're, to one of the actions. You're powering there's, up your potential future actions. Right. So there's... There's a lot of strategy in uh, where you want to go and plan for uh, your actions. Right. Uh, it's it's on the let's say medium to heavier end. Uh, it's not hard to teach, but it's hard to balance everything in your head that you need to be doing at once. Yeah, and it's it's kind of point salad. There's there's multiple different you know avenues to score points. Uh, there is some limiter though, so you have to do everything in this game. Like you can't just focus on one of the five actions i i don't know if you guys have just beaten me down with playing point salad euros but i just sometimes would like a goal or a strategy in my game as opposed to like ah, this is i don't know it's a good game it's very dry so no no i'll just say lewis and clark has a goal that is not points it's a race so you just got to get to the finish line yeah you should probably I try that one out scott i think i so might like car doesn't make it fun so does NASCAR. Doesn't make it fun. It's like one of the most popular sports NASCAR in the world. NASCAR doesn't have a goal or a... It's the opposite. You're going around in circles. But it's a race. That's what I'm... You get for, 
who does the most circles fastest. It's not really a race, is it? Well, not the most. The same number of circles the fastest. Did you say is NASCAR you, not really Scott a race? Scott has reached peak <laughs> devil's advocate <laughs> when he said NASCAR is not racing. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was just whoever did Doesn't the most. Doesn't R in NASCAR stand for racing? <laughs> the R in NASCAR? Isn't that what it stands for, is racing? We'll take your word for that. NASCAR is... It's an acronym. An abbreviation. I didn't know that. Yeah. Let's find out. I'll report back. National Association of Sports. Stock, sorry, car, stock car. Stock car. Auto racing. Athletic yeah. racing. I think I might actually Autobot. like Lewis and Clark more in retrospect if I played it now. Like, I think I might appreciate that about Lewis and Clark. Nice. Boom. Together, we got it. We got there. Um, yeah. I Lewis and Clark is good. And and I, the more I play it, the more confident I am of that opinion. I think... I think one nice thing about point salad games, like the we, ones we've been playing, is that you don't get a big, huge, inherent advantage having already played it. Whereas if you've played Lewis and Clark before, you understand you need to get to the mountains, and you understand like, yeah, but the the cards, it's a multi-use card game, and the cards that come out make a huge difference in right. the strategy. Yeah. So it's not like you can right. go in there with the same strategy every time. It's just yeah, it's just a tactical game. I think maybe I should stop being so negative on Euros. I've been playing recently and just play some strategy games and play some you know games that have a goal or war games or whatever. So the other one I was going to bring up. Uh, what was the name of that game again? Oh, sorry. That one was Newton. Newton, Newton by two Italian guys. Yes. <laughs> and it's Simon Games. Uh, and it's one of their non-mini games, uh, which are the ones I think I tend to favor right now of theirs. Well, it's cool mini. Or not. Or not. Or not. It is. Well, so, it was. Sorry, the, Peter. The other, one, the other one I was going to mention is Passing Through Petra, which we got a little bit of a play in the other night. Uh, but this is another... Uh, unique game where you've got giant plastic mountains that form a uh, canyon in the middle of the board and you are pushing tiles up through uh, and it, again it's a race to uh, place your cubes so this one is a race it's gets placed eight cubes the fastest did you describe this one as simply complex yes this one uh, is definitely well not I don't know if it's quite complex enough to be there but it's it's very simple to teach can be done in less than 10 minutes and it, a lot of it is just figuring out you know what's the best play based on what everyone else is doing and can you chain together uh several turns in a row without having to waste turns just taking tiles for your action um but uh it's it's one that i would definitely recommend uh, especially for somebody who's you know getting into the hobby and wants to take that next step from the intro level games nice and again that was called Passing through Petra. Passing through Petra. And you take four actions, and they're on cardinal directions from each other, and you have a three-by-three three grid, and so whatever action you take, you take a step towards that direction. And if you can no longer take a step in that direction, then you have to take one of the other. So hmm. if you're in the corner, you only have two actions available to you. Oh, I see. Interesting. That's the, that's the gimmick. So you have to take all of the actions relatively equal by the end of the game. Otherwise, you couldn't take them. And the giant mountains Peter was describing are completely unnecessary. They could be the size of the tiles and still work. Yeah, you don't even need anything. You could just <laughs> line up a bunch of tiles. But since you are putting so many there. But there's three-inch mountains. Yeah. That's because that's the thing Table now. Presence. Hey, I'm telling I you, man. Yeah. Yep. It, it ain't going away. It made the game, it made a light, you know, 40-minute game look heavier, I guess, or look yeah. more. Uh, and it, I will say the table presence worked. We were playing it ahead of uh, trivia here at Spielbound. And yeah. As people were coming in, people kept coming around and looking. What, is, what that? is that? Mm, for sure. I mean, 
It got me to play container again. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I had two. You know what game would be terrible? Container Legacy. Oh, hold that thought. I'm very excited for (laughs) what will be a few weeks from now when you all get to listen to it. But I hadn't thought Container Legacy, but now I might make that one of my three. Uh, Anyway, uh they they shouldn't make container legacy. Oh, they ooh. Okay. Anyway, I just my brain just my brain just broke. Um so I want to talk about two games. Um one I think uh fell out of the hype wheel. Uh I think it's a 2017 release. Maybe it was an early 2018 release. The hype wheel. Yeah, it was like it, it got some hype, but then I don't think it got gained traction. Um and and so I eventually played it and it's really good. And one that I think is about <laughs> To get all the love, and I think I think Excuse this game's me. about to get a ton of love. So I'll talk about the the older game that I think should continue to get love, and that is Ex Libris. Who here has played? Have you guys played it? No. Yes, I have. Yeah, Peter has. Um, it's nope. It's a worker placement tableau building game. Um, it's super fun. Uh, it's more thematic than a standard Euro, though. You are playing. Um, librarians and slash curators in this one town. This like fantasy themed Sounds town. super fun. Yeah, there's um, goblins. Yeah, really fun. Yeah, it's goblins say, the and dragons. And, like you would like it, Jeff. And, and so the point of the game is that you're all competing to shelve all of these volumes and amass the best volumes. Um, there's four, there's six different types of books. Is it six? It's gotta be six. I haven't played it in a while, but yeah, it's several books. Yeah, and, and, and one of them will be a banned type of book that you'll lose points for, and everybody has one type of book. That Every they good librarian carries the banned exactly. books. You know what? There's, there's ways to win with the banned books, and so then everybody has like a preferred book type, but all of these books have um, are alphabetized. There's like 250 cards, and they're all they're in alphabetical order so your job is to place 12 books and as you place them they're permanently placed in these three rows in front of you and uh once you've placed it you can't move it so as you try and place later books if you don't manage to keep all of your books in alphabetical order they won't score at the end of the game so there's this really weird mechanic of like i'm terrified to put books down but i have to put books down because other people are putting books down that's a theme they chose i guess it's is crippling at moments when you're like trying to decide in terms of analysis paralysis yes but in like a in like a i don't know i guess it's in normally like a crunchy way i don't experience the analysis paralysis so it was really fun it's fun to be in analysis paralysis (laughs) paralyzed it's not fun to be with a player that's in analysis paralysis (laughs) that is true but i think this happens equally to everybody and it really does you can just sort of leave the person to do it like they're like okay and i'm also going to shelve a book and And that's the end of their turn yeah they're like okay the next person take their play while they're still trying to shelve their book uh but the other the worker the worker placement aspect of the game i found unique in that it was the opposite of what a worker placement normally does where you start with four randomized tiles that are different locations and then they're all ranked from weakest to most powerful they're like numbered all of these tiles that they have and so you lay four out and after that round the weakest one stays on the board in a permanent location and the other three go away so you only have them for one round but now there's a permanent one four more come out you keep one you ditch three so the next round there's two extra and so you keep getting more and more places to play. So normally in worker placements, you get more workers. So it becomes 
crowded on the board and it becomes really competitive. Right. But in this, it became explosive in that everybody could do little combos and there were other things that you could do and you didn't end up being crunched for locations nearly as much. So this is Ex Libris by Adam McIver. There you go. I have seen the game and knew the name. I The box art, in my opinion, doesn't really tell you what's going on. Like, I've never actually looked at the box art, and mm. it's apparently like, I don't know, elves and stacks? Yeah. it's um, And it's funny. Like, every book... So every card has, like, between three and five books or something like that, or two and four books. Yeah. And every book is alphabetized, and, and they all have a funny... Title. Card drafting, hand management, set collection, tile placement, variable player powers, and worker placement. Oh yeah, everybody has a unique worker that does something special. Like I had a, I had a flame. I don't know. You, you, you in, piqued my interest in this game. You should play it. One, it's like a forty-five minute play. Yeah. So that's my wheelhouse. Anyway. Simply complex. Simply complex. Yeah, I mean it, it. It it gets really frustrating when you try and you're trying to like place your twelfth book and you. You get the a great card that'll score you a ton of points, and you can't play it on your tableau because you ruined your tableau earlier by placing something stupid. It's fun. So there's that one, Ex Libris. Uh, and then a new one I think I, I've heard a little bit about, but I think we're going to hear a whole bunch about, is Trap Words. Um, have you guys played Trap Words? I have not yet, but I had someone describe it for me. So the, the niche that I would put Trap Words in is if you have been playing code names with people a lot, and you're kind of getting tired of code names, it's time to play trap words. Um, it's a team game. You each sit on other, each side of the table, and there's a series of rooms, a la dungeon style, so this is fantasy-themed. Um, right. It does this really cool thing where you can either choose to use the fantasy words or just normal words, so you get to decide if you want to, you know, if you want your words to be rogue and goblin and those things, or if you want your words to just be whatever, just like code names. Um, but on, on each player's turn, uh, you look at the other team's card. So your team looks at the word that they're going to have to try and guess. So let's just say it's airplane. That's the word they're going to have to guess. You as a team, depending on how far along they are in the game, will get to write trap words down, anywhere from three to seven words that they aren't allowed to say in an attempt to get their team to guess the so word. So it's like taboo, but the other team gets to create the taboo words we list? We create the taboo words list, and then the clue giver doesn't see the trap word list. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. It, it like, it's oh, that's so... Right. So you're trying to... You're trying to come you're, as the clue giver. You're trying to think of words that they want it put down. Yeah, you just get to say anything you want. You, okay. There's no limit to what you can say. Your team gets five guesses, and there's a really fast timer, and they just the other team just sits there and watches. And if you say any of the five words they put down, or however many words they put down, but as a clue giver, you're like, well, they had to have put that. Oh, they had to have put that. Oh, they can't say that. Oh, that's too obvious. And then as the timer gets closer and closer, you just start throwing it to the wind. You just start like saying the most obvious thing, like the thing the pilots fly. You know, like. Uh, but yeah, it's, it was a really clever game. That sounds lighter than code names. There's little. There's bonus little. Uh, some rooms have tra uh, special uh, curses in them that inhibit the team that gets there first. And then there's a boss at the end. Whoever whoever gets to the you have to like defeat the complicated boss. Um, so you have to play a more complicated round at the end. So it's definitely more complicated than code names. But walking into it is about as easy as code names. When you just sort of say, "Okay, here's yeah. your here's your thing, go." Well, the nice thing about code names is when you play with people that have already played, y they just 
let you learn how to play as you play the game. Like if you if mm-hmm. you try to play Codenames with eight people who have never played, it's a lot harder. Like it's not yeah, yeah. like that. It's not like a, an easy concept to understand if you don't have someone helping you out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Trap Words, it had that same cleverness. When you play Codenames for the first time, you're like, my God, how did nobody make this game? This game should have already existed. This is brilliant. The same thing happens with Trap Words. You're just like, oh, well, this to Jeff's is... point, someone just made, they just took Taboo and made it. They did. They did. That's smart, though. So as I was playing it, I, I couldn't help but think, like, the way that they sort of, you laid out the dungeon, like, it was so smooth, and it made so much sense. The further in the dungeon you go, the the harder it became, the more trap words you got to make. So if you fell behind, you you got to write more and more trap words. It got harder for the other team. And there were just a ton of things that were really smooth about the gameplay that made it competitive and fun all the way to the end. Hmm. Yeah, it, it was. it's a really well-implemented uh, game. That's really exciting. Yeah, trap words. How about you, Scott? What have you been playing? So the game I'm going to talk about... Uh, I Well, I did play Carpe Diem, which is a... Uh, not Uwe. What's his name? Sevenfeld. Yes, it's a Feld game. Uh, it feels like every other Feld game, <laughs> just like Newton. I was just like, all right, we played that yep. point salady game. Um, Have you got to play Forum Trajanum yet? Yes. Is it That's the other Feld, Feld? That came out? I, I honestly, at this point, because I said, I think I said, uh, it feels like a Feld game. I was like, I can name five other Feld games that I like better, and. And Brent was like, "Really?" And then we named like nine games, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, all of his all of his games feel the same, and none of them, you know, there's a couple that are are like probably better, but it just seems like none of them rise to like, like at least with Uve, it's like he's trying something, he's trying to get something perfect. Like with Feld, it's like he's just trying new stuff at all times, but it all ends up in the same points. Like anyway, that's not the game I'm talking about. The game I'm talking about." Is Crusaders Thy Will Be Done? Oh yeah, by Seth Jaffe, which is a big Kickstarter one we just got, and then by T- Tasty Minstrel Games. I like the box art. I'll say that about the game. I like the, the box cover. art is a lot better than Newton. Uh, it's probably not necessarily a better game than Newton, even though I think it's ranked higher on BGG. Uh, it's incredibly light. Uh, it takes probably you know the box is forty to sixty minutes. Uh, the Kickstarter version I had had both plastic and wooden pieces. Uh, it literally only has two mechanisms on here, according to BGG. Area movement and variable player powers. You're just uh, you're using a uh, Moncala uh, thing, and unlike uh, unlike uh, Trajan, where you where you end up is the action you take. This is the one you remove from the action you take. The actions are like move and build, and you're just trying to have more you know buildings and stuff on Europe and. Um, I liked it that it was, it looked simple, it played simple, and it was short. Uh, and it and it felt like I was playing a board game on, you know, felt like I was playing a board game in, you know, 40 minutes or whatever. Like Bryce and I mm-hmm. played, after after he explained it to me, we probably played in, you know, 25, 30 minutes. Um, I think that will probably be a popular one at, at Spielbound. So just, just to correct you there, Crusaders is 1508 and Newton is 743, so... Okay, Newton it's is higher. Newton's right? higher. Okay, but by about double. Yeah, that's fact checking real time. Boom. I said Newton was probably. That's a great thing about. That's a great thing about the internet. Fact checking real time. 
I feel like yeah. I heard something about um, yeah. No one could ever get elected. Castles of Burgundy getting a deluxe edition, but I can't find any news about it. It's in German. They're making a German and then well, a Bergen von Bergen. news that's come and out then so far. Bergen Bergen. Bergen. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yes. All right, so that's the end of part one. Join us Ooh. next Ooh. time. We played a lot of games. That was well, exciting. That was our reunion. I know. I'm excited. I I want to play a couple of the games. Um, I have to be honest. Good. I thought I'd like Cody more after not seeing him for four months. Mm. <laughs> no, I've kind of the same feelings. <laughs> I mean, he brought games you would like. He He's brought fine. a li- a game where you shelve library books and a party yeah, game. Like you should well, like those. Like, okay, actually, the Trap Words game. Trap Words is pretty. You like both those games yeah. as By the, the way, kids say it's lit trap words there's several copies for sale here at spielbound too there's one less because i bought one. Oh, yeah <laughs> but yeah first. we do have a couple copies for sale. I, I know one. the first time we got them in they like jumped Ooh. off the shelf first like, i might i might grab one on my way out that'd be a, i have a new homeroom so, next so year. there was mm-hmm. copies available <laughs> yeah and then we all bought them sorry we'll get no. more copies back and how much is that how much is that game it's a 20 buck game it's just like code names it's in a code name size box yeah um you can always email us, spielcast at spielbound.org. You can get in touch with me, Scott underscore Odell. At Cody Jorgensen on Twitter. PDG1979 on Twitter. And I, as of today, don't let Jeff hear this, have a Spielbound email address. It's Pete at spielbound.org. Wait a second. What? Pete at spielbound.org. Why yes. did you get a Spielbound email address? Uh, I'm going to be stepping up as the treasurer eventually. There you go. What? But I, okay. Ain't nobody letting you handle the money, Jeff. Sorry, man. I don't want to handle money. I just want an email. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we've eclipsed thirty minutes in this episode. That's a uh, that's a seven wonder. <laughs>